Hey, we're headed toward 250 movies on the rewatchables where we just put up a new episode actually this week, Misery. But did you know you can find the entire archive of all those movies only on Spotify? Everything from the last six weeks you can find on any platform, but the entire archive, five and a half years of movies only available on Spotify. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what, what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. We did Misery. Check out the Prestige TV podcast as well. I think they did Westworld, second episode. The Bear is coming this week. Better Call Saul comes back next week. I think we'll do some Hall of Fame episodes there as well. So stay tuned for that. Pop culture, we got a lot of good stuff going. Got the Ringerverse, Big Picture Podcast. Chris Ryan, still cranking out the watch with Andy Greenwald. Uh, the list keeps going and going. Ringer Reality, Bachelor Party. Go check all of it out. If you like TV, if you like movies, well, you're going to have to really like them next five weeks because we're about to run out of sports to talk about. Coming up on this podcast, Tyler Parker and Chris Ryan, we're going to talk about Tyler's Summer Characters of the Year for the NBA. So that's happening. Raheem Palmer came out to try to figure out the best NBA future bet with me. We did some Summer League stuff in it. For the record, we taped it before Chet went off tonight in Summer League, and the odds for Chet actually dropped. I think he's now the favorite for Rookie of the Year. We talked about Rookie of the Year during that pod in the case for Paolo. Chet looks so good tonight that I think he's now the favorite uh, the the Orlando Magic fans in my life, which is basically Steve Cerruti and Kevin Clark having an absolute heart attack about this because I think they both want to chat. Jonathan Charks, big victory lap for him tonight. He was a huge check guy. We'll see how it goes. Remember, my lesson with this stuff, every time, without fail, don't overreact to Summer League. Do you hear me? Don't overreact to Summer League. With that said, I do love Chet. It would be great if great if he turned out he became, he was, I had Jabari as my favorite. He was the guy I planted my flag on. And the only thing with Chet that worried me was the body and how it was going to hold up. But from a talent standpoint, it looked like he had the highest ceiling. So we saw it tonight. People are excited about it. Chet mania has begun. So anyway, talk to Raheem about that and our favorite NBA futures. Then last but not least, my daughter, Zoe Simmons, is going to come on to explain the Minions phenomenon to us, as well as, uh, just what's going on with social media and TikTok and how TikTok is 
responsible for the minions thing and also responsible for some good things, some bad things, some really bad things. And we talked about that. We talked about stranger things as well. So this is a very interesting podcast. That's all next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Tyler Parker's here. Chris Ryan is here. They both work with me at The Ringer. We're going to talk about Tyler's summer characters for the NBA. I mean, there's still some lingering questions here. Since I did the pod with Rosillo on Sunday, we, we do not know yet where DeAndre Ayton is going or what his market is. We don't know what Atlanta is doing. It feels like there's one big move left with them. We don't know if Dallas is going to get somebody like Fournier back in the Brunson trade. We don't know if the Lakers are actually worse. I think they are. We don't know if the KD saga has paralyzed the Suns because they're just not doing anything. And, you know, meanwhile, they're one of the top five favorites we have. We don't know if there's Ewing theory potential with Utah yet. That's still lingering. They trade Rudy Gobert, who they lost five of their last six playoff series with. The Ewing theory committee is studying the Jazz. I'm just going <laughs> to leave it at that. Um, but more important is the summer characters. And... Our guy Tyler makes a list. Chris and I react. What? How many do you have? And where are we going to go backwards from seven to one, five to one? What's the plan? Let's do. I've got. I've got five, but I know you like a little honorable mention in the mix to just sort of you know like tease the palate a little bit. So I've got. A, I've got a couple here for you at the top if you want to go honorable mention, and then we go five to one. We're Let's, passing around some small plates. Yeah, you yeah. know, just something. Just try to you know get wake everybody up a little bit. Yeah, people just got here. They're excited. They have a glass of rosé. We have some appetizers for them. I have a little bonus for you, by the way. You're going to do your honorable mention. You do your top five. I have, oh, a, I have a couple dessert guys at the end. Just, to, just <laughs> in case you missed anyone. I made a little a, list myself. A port or two? Does um, that mean I get to do after that? Can I do cognac with Chris? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Whatever you need to do. All right, Tyler, give us your honorable mention, um, guys. I mean... It's it's I don't want to say his name wrong, and I, and I keep hearing people pronounce it both ways. Is it Bancaro or Banchero? Have people Bancaro. decided? Bancaro. Okay. All right. Honorable mention first off is Paolo Bancaro. He's this has been an unbelievable start to his um, rookie season as a poster, specifically after Durant's trade request went out quickly. Paolo was. On the phones, <laughs> getting the photoshops up, had a photoshop of himself and Durant in magic jerseys with just simple caption, don't sleep. And I think that this is this is extraordinary posting. This he's showing a maturity beyond his years. And it's I think it shows a lot of leadership too. I like it a lot. What what are we more excited by? The prospect that Paolo is making his own posts or that he has already hired a social media guy to do his posts? <sighs> Oh, I, I have a third entry for that question. Fra sure. Franz Wagner, Franz Wagner <laughs> would have to be in that trade, right? If they got KD, it'd be like Franz Wagner and Suggs and a couple other. So Paolo's basically saying I would trade Franz Wagner right now. That that was wow. how I interpreted it. Yeah. So, so who's gonna, where's KD going to play if Paolo's still on the team? So I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some tension already. Plus, no. we have Vegas. Paolo's going to be there. Maybe right. a social media guy. Chris, you make a great point. Is there some secret app that only the players have that they can just immediately sub in faces for teammates? 
on the app because well, they I all have perfect I, I ones ready. Lil- yeah, Lillard, I would say, definitely has a social guy who's like, hey, I got this picture of you and KD. You look like chiseled gods, you know, yeah. wearing Blazers <laughs> uniforms. But Paolo, it's like, I don't even know if that first check has been put, put in direct deposit yet. So he, he's going out of his pocket if he's paying a social guy. Plus, he's of the generation where he could he's probably a little savvy with the apps. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's got some guy just on retainer. He's got him back pocket, JIC, you know, in case some hot goss drops, player getting disgruntled. They can quickly get online and get him in a magic uniform. I do think that they should go with the retro magic uniforms the next time that they Photoshop. Those are the the superior uniforms. Good point. I'm not here to go hard at the current magic uniforms. They are fine, but... Like, you know, let's let's give the people the best. Like, let's let's let KD see himself. He watched Penny and Shaq. He knows if you want to really play to some nostalgia, really get some, you know, you know, heartstrings going with KD. Let's do that. I just my fear is that the international guys who are just taking over the game in all these different ways are now going to do social media better than our guys do. That was my xenophobic <laughs> take. Um, Tyler, who's your next honorable mention? Um, just the, 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 whatever the next whale that drops is either it's Aiton or it's, you know, whatever, whatever trade follows the KD trade. If that happens, whatever those, whatever the unnamed sort of whale out there, the next shoe that drops is the, is the next, is the next honorable mention because it feels like just something else is something's going to happen with Aiton, right? Well, will we know when Windhorse goes on first take and does the finger pointing <laughs> the, up and the window wipers? Yeah. Yeah, that'll be he's like Demi Moore in the seventh sign. Like when he pops up doing gestures, you know something's up. All right. So T B D is honorable mention. Anybody yeah. else? No, that's I that's that's the that's the end of the honorable mention list. We're trying to keep pretty short this week. All right, let's go. Number five. Your summer NBA characters of note, your notables. Number five is. Jalen Brunson at number five. You can make this a group post. You could include the entire Knicks front office and whoever they have been working with during this tampering time. Like, you know, World Wide West, whoever. I love it. Sign Jalen Brunson, four years, 104 mil, all of it's guaranteed. And they hired his brother. And it seems like that this deal was agreed to in like 1989. <laughs> and I, like I, it, it, I, I, I like that just, I like that we're getting closer to a place where people are like, whatever your fine is, who cares? No one cares. Like, just, so I, did I like, they, they hire his brother and his dad or just his dad? Was it his dad and not his brother? It's Rick. Yeah. So they oh, got Rick okay, Brunson okay, on okay, the gotcha, staff. Gotcha. And then to add a little bit of uh, another layer to the cake, You've got Leon Rose who runs the Knicks. He, he, his son is Jalen's day to day guy, uh, day to day agent. So you have Leon Rose and his son, and then Rick Brunson and his son. So it's just like a Steinbeck novel. You just get all these generations <laughs> of families together, and you pay them. It goes 25. even deeper. Leon Rose's first client was Rick Brunson, right? Who was brought to him by World Wide West because that's like one of his oldest friends, and then, uh. Jalen Brunson, to Leon Rose's son, it's his first client, I think. So right. it's a double first client situation. That's why the Mavs got mad when they had that playoff game and 
they all sat like right at midcourt in awesome seats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the most blatant tampering we've had. I think we even joked about it on our podcast that week. Dude, we've never seen anything that, like that. The combination of that. What did you get all upset about? Danny Ainge sitting close to Will Hardy? <laughs> oh, it wasn't just that he sat close to Will Hardy. It was what he saw when he sat close to Will Hardy. I got to admit, I love that you got upset about that. But it's also like, if that's true, did Danny Ainge like think hard about the jazz coaching deal at all? Or was he just like, you know, I sat 10 yards from this guy during the playoffs. I think he could coach the team. Or is it somebody he was thinking about anyway? And then the Celtics like, Danny, you should come to one of the finals games. He's like, great. Yeah, I'd love to. Why don't you put me in the, I'll sit with Wick and those guys. And meanwhile, he's just there to scout Will Hardy on the Celtics dime. And then gets, he gets poached. Anyway, uh, what, so what else with Brunson fascinated you, Tyler? I think the thing that I kept thinking about was, would it be as big of a deal? And I'm not talking about the numbers. Like, would, 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 would the, would the um, uh, attention have been as great had Luca just been healthy at the start of the playoffs? Like, oh, if he hadn't had if, like some, if some Brunson nice had gone bananas in, the in that, yeah, like if he hadn't gone nuts in the playoffs, d- is 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 his signing being treated even even with the tampering included? Is his signing being treated with this amount of attention? I don't know. I like Brunson, so I'm not here saying like it's like you know some fool's gold or whatever what he was doing against the Jazz because it all seemed pretty repeatable, right? But like. I it would I I did think about that like if if um if the Mavs just didn't make the playoffs and his season ended in the regular season and then all this same stuff went down what does what does the hoopla look like at that point Well and on top of that they get to play this Utah team that has like some of the worst perimeter defense we've seen in the playoffs in a while See that piece too The I got to say the on off stats with him when Luka didn't play but Brunson played were pretty like pretty impressive. The only thing that was lower was the three point shooting, which makes sense because went from like 41 to 32 or whatever. But I don't know. I really like Brunson. I value him. I think you can win with him. I was fine with it. I cannot wait. I'm going to do a little sub piece to your uh, Brunson thing. Sure. When does, what week does the watch out for the Julius Randle comeback year now that he has a real point guard? <laughs> who write, Who writes the first story? What kind of momentum does it right. get? What do you want from that story? When do we get the feature profile called Julius Randle never left? You know, like, it's like kind of just yeah. like feels like Julius Randle is just like, he heard everything that you said last year and he's back. I want I want something halfway through the year where someone's like, you know what? This is what happens when you have a lot of left-handed people. They're naturally creative. This is why mm. they're so good. <laughs> I want left-handed takes. I want like yeah. hardcore... This is well, why you know they that, play fun. You know that's been my dream forever. The, oh, the all left-handed, the all left-handed team was my. That would have been one of my moves when I was a GM. I had I had a phase where I just wanted to get all the Spanish guys on one team, like both Gasols, <laughs> Calderon, Juan Carlos Navarro, Rudy Fernandez. I just wanted all of them together. The Armada, yeah, yeah, the Armada. And then the all lefty team was another one where it's just like just grab all the lefties and it's just a complete. Mind I can't believe no one's giving you this gig yet, Bill. You know, with pitches like that, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a it's a sin. <laughs> Listen, Tim Connolly can come in and get $9 million a year to trade every asset on the team I promise except if, one. 
If you get a GM job, I will be your. I will carry your water on Twitter. Got another great idea from Bill Simmons. We did another great. You know, we traded seventeen <laughs> picks for Nikola Vucevic. You had to do it. Bill, uh, if you get a GM job, just let me just hang out. Just let me just come to the gym yeah, and hang out. Yeah, that's all that I got to do. You know? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I just wanted to have you in a jumpsuit, an NBA jumpsuit, <laughs> just kind of working with guys on the side. I want to yeah. add something to the Brunson thing, and it'll come up a little bit later in this pod, I'm sure. But this is, it's not a character, uh, not a great character. It's just a great, great trend. The trend of who are we bidding against? And this has come mm. up a couple of times in some of these deals where I'm just like, so your dad and your dad worked for the Knicks. Who are you guys bidding against? Really? Yeah. Right? Like, what was the conversation at Thanksgiving going to be like if this didn't work out for the Knicks? So like in the end of the day, like couldn't the Knicks maybe have shaved a couple million dollars off of this? Well, I think they did descending salaries, which I thought was smart. My favorite. They did. Who they they? front loaded it. Yeah. My favorite, who are they bidding against? I have co-winners. Uh, Marvin Bagley, who I liked, but three for 37. I just don't know who came in second place for the three for 37 with bags. And then uh, the Gary Harris, two for 26. Second year, not guaranteed, but it's basically a one for 13. I just want to know who came in second on that yeah. one. Like, was he, did anyone have five for him? Four? So are they doing that because they want it to be a big... Trade chip? I don't know. I, I thought that was weird. Who are we bidding against this is a good game show, Chris. You wonder if when the agent like texts them the figure, they're like they wait for a correction. Yeah. Like, they wait for the like the, the, the they wait for the little asterisk tweet. You know what I mean? Is like, there sorry, a decimal? Sorry, it wasn't 13. I meant uh, <laughs> 1.3. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you have for number four, Tyler? Uh Brian Winhorst. Oh yeah. I thought what? I honestly thought he'd finish higher. He, he he probably could have, and I didn't. I didn't want to, you know. I, I don't because he's he's a he's an unbelievable character. Obviously, in the grand scheme of things, in terms of you know effect on the league, you know, probably pretty minimal. I would say, but but um, but no, like the and this is like I'm trying to think how you how you like set it up. Winhorst went on first take yeah. on the the day free agency was due to start, right? It was, blowing it was that up. morning, yeah, right? It was blow, yeah. free agency blow-up day. And <laughs> he proceeds to go on this a little bit over two-minute long monologue, basically, with a few interruptions about, basically, with the whole, <laughs> the whole idea being what's going on in Utah which I do feel is almost instantly iconic is yeah. the, the, the what's going on in Utah is pretty unbelievable just as a line read in and of itself. The yeah. thing that y'all referenced before, which is I feel when the video and the performance really goes to a level that, you know, your DDLs and your Leos, it's really only where <laughs> they can go. Your Nick Cage is right. These just charisma Kings, right? <laughs> Once the pointer fingers came out, and yeah. he decided to just let them do what they were going to do, but on rhythm. He was letting the fingers go where they wanted to go, but he knew when he was going to stop them. And it was like it, watching a TED Talk. It was, it was unbelievable. And I like I think part of it was maybe just the windshield wipers going back and forth. Maybe I did just get a little hypnotized. I don't know. But it it as soon as he started to... As soon as he, he, cause he paused 
He paused at the end of his point before he said what's going on in Utah. And right when he said, I, I think on the what's going on in Utah, it was the first time that he ever kind of put his hands down after he had first lifted them. And then he like, he punctuated the point with like a pin, a pin touch to the desk, like a little <laughs> pin pop on the desk. I thought it was, um, I thought it was, um, it was, it was, it was so like coy about it. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. I thought it was great. So you think like Pacino at any given Sunday, <laughs> like on that level, just the rewatchable monologues for the rest of our lives. I think, I think that when he goes to, cause at a certain point, he goes to that. And so you're asking yourself when he starts talking for other people, when he starts talking for the people that are yeah, going to be speaking in the second person. Yeah. That's what, yeah. you know, like that's next level. That's the thing that like the greats can do where they just can start to build a straw man that they argue with. And he like got to treat the straw man like they were an idiot. It, it was, it was unbelievable. It's like you, cause it, Wendy is one of the guys who kind of popularized. Don't aggregate this, you know, don't aggregate this. I'm not reporting it. I'm just saying, so this is like, at the this is the the end of two thousand one a space odyssey of don't aggregate this <laughs> and the baby is in space that's what we've gotten to with, the, the, with that it's just it's obscene it's I also like I would love to read an oral history of the other people on the first take set that day oh my god and like yeah. what was going through their heads are they like what is he talking about because like people keep trying to interrupt him and be like because you think they're going to trade for Kevin Durant he's like no <laughs> <laughs> because you think they're looking for a third team trade partner no. No, he got a guessing game. He got a guessing yeah. game going. He like made them ask. Like it was, it was unbelievable. Well, the question that he'll never answer is, did he know the Gobert trade was about to happen? Right, right, I, right. I think he did. I think that's that would be the odds on favorite. Or was he just like we're on TV here for two hours? <laughs> Royce O'Neal just got traded. A lot of people had spidey senses that Utah was going to blow it up anyway because of Danny's history. And did he just shoot a shot? My take is he had inside info that stuff was brewing. That almost makes it more impressive to me. Mm. If he like knew it and was just like, I'm going to go out and perform the hell out of this. And like I, without, without saying it. I, yeah. I, it, it was, it was, I kept going back and watching it just cause it would just like, it made me happy. Yeah. It was, just, it was great. <laughs> All right. We have three characters left. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and do it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about. Five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24/7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts. Right now, 
Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S, simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, coming back, our summer NBA characters of the year, Tyler Parker, Chris Ryan joining us as well. Tyler, we have three left. Who's number three? Rudy Gobert mm. in the three spot. Um, and you can include, you know, Jaden McDaniels, the untouchable <laughs> Jaden McDaniels in this. Um, you can uh, <laughs> you can throw in Anthony Edwards, who had a quote last year, who basically said, I'm not afraid of Rudy Gobert at the rim. He does not put fear into me. Um, yeah. You could, you could put the fact that they're going to pay... It. They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna pay him forty seven million dollars in twenty twenty six, which is so much money. Um, <laughs> it four first round picks, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, who uh, Leandro, don't call me uh, Barbosa, Balmero, um, and Malik Beasley. I think that Gobert is gonna make the Wolves like really good, and I also think that's so much to give up for Rudy Gobert. Do you think this is, did you ever expect that we were going to talk about Rudy Gobert this much at any point as NBA fans? N honestly, never. Even when he signed for all that money, I was just sort of like, you know, I, I get why the Jazz have to sign him for it. And on them, you know, like he's obviously on the market, he's worth it. Right. But it, it, uh, yeah, guys, you don't have to guard, scare me. And, you know, I know he can go catch a bunch of lobs and stuff. And, you know, hopefully D'Angelo Russell's going to look for him. But, like, it, it uh, uh, yeah, I... Well, I mean, dating back to what about the COVID? Like, the Rudy Gobert game? Yes. Basically starts the <laughs> pandemic that night. Becomes Donnie the Rudy Strack. Gobert game. That's it? Donnie Strack, Thunder Medical dude. Donnie now Strack, we have this trade, which is one of the craziest trades in the history of the league. This is just way more... He's He's become the lightning rod of, like, this analytics argument, Chris, where it's like, like people, KOC is like almost a Gobert truther at this point. Yeah, KOC is aggressive about it, you know, it, but it's also interesting because we just, we don't have a lot of examples. It Utah's kind of like the the forbidden zone of the NBA. Like, guys go in, do they ever come out? Who can say? I don't really know. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, Darren Williams, like, I, I still don't believe that he ever left the Jazz, like, when he was traded that time. Like, it does, we don't have a lot Matt of Harpering made the fifth. Matt, Matt Harpering's going to make the 15-man this year, they're saying. <laughs> so, it's like, it, it's re be really interesting to see him outside of, like, the, the Utah kind of ecosystem. And then, of course, like, as, as you guys alluded to, the whole Rudy Gobert trade situation introduced this idea of the untouchable Jaden McDaniels. And yeah. like, I want to make a mock untouchables poster. That's Jaden McDaniels, Tyrese Maxey, you know, anybody else like who's just like only the Roddy like, Boubois. Roddy yeah, Boubois has got to be in there. Roddy's <laughs> the best. It's the Roddy Boubois All-Stars. But I, it's only the guys that like local fans know about really like, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> the McDaniels thing brought me so much joy because they make the trade they get hammered immediately. People are just like, oh my God, that's so much. And then Woj had the second tweet of like, the Wolves are elated. They didn't have to go with Jaden McDaniels. <laughs> then uh, the Athletic, the guy who covers Minnesota for him, he had that in there too about Danny Ainge really wanted Jaden McDaniels, but the, that was a, a bridge too far for the Timberwolves. And it was like, was it? So they, they basically made it seem like we'll give you more unprotected picks if you drop the Jaden McDaniels thing. And it's like, Wait a second. So w 
what is he worth on the open market? Because right. I did my trade value list. I did 64 guys that did an honorable mention and I didn't have them on it. So that that's like 75 guys I had. And I never occurred to me to put Jaden McDaniels on that list. So is he worth, Tyler, is he worth apparently two unprotected firsts? I don't understand it. it it's, it's, it's wild that that was a hang up. It's, I, I don't, I guess it could go one or two ways, right? Either he's Boubois or he's like, you know, pool or something. Whenever people were trying to throw him in trades for a while or, and, right. then, he, and then he, and then he blooms. I think into he's something. good for the record. I do like him and I think no, he's I get good what you're saying I though. It. I get what you're saying. Like, but, but it's, there's a difference between being good and being worth that number of picks. Like you're like, saying, would I, they have included him if it was for Durant? <laughs> Obviously not. Not at this point. Bill, I, uh, can I just give you a little bit of uh, ombudsman commentary on your pods recently? Yeah. The trade value column is now entering the Avatar 2 zone. The amount of references you make to it, but it's like nobody's seen any footage yet. Yeah, does anyone <laughs> even know if it exists? <laughs> You're like, I've just been waiting for technology to catch up with me <laughs> so that I can make this thing. It's like when they say the car stopped in the Zapruder film and the frames got cut out. There's no proof of it. It's just is a thing that some people said because they claim to have seen it. Same thing with my trade value list. I uh, On the McDaniels thing, so here's my take. Should I, go, should I go win horse and do the fingers? I think the Timberwolves, they'd never made a trade before and I think they were getting crushed and I think they were in full panic. At least the owner was. Mark, what's his name? Ioli? Lori? Like that. Mark Lori? Mark Ioli. Who's Mark yeah. Ioli? Mark I, I don't know. <laughs> Mark uh, Ioli is a sandwich that I've had a couple times. I think. So I think, I think they were like frantically trying to spin like some sort of win from the trade that wasn't just, we've traded way too much for Rudy Gobert. I mean, the odds didn't, the odds on FanDuel are 36 to one from them to win the title. This is the first all-in trade where they couldn't even get to 30 to one for the roster to win the title. So I think, I think they started pushing this McDaniels angle hard to try to be like, oh, and we got Gobert and we didn't give up Jada McDaniels. Just feels very like they were in a room just like, we got to come up with something. We got to come up with some way to, to make it seem like we didn't just overpay for this guy. But it was new owner syndrome as we talked Sunday. It did feel like some damage control. One of the things that I thought was telling, and 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 it like as a fan of another small market team in the Thunder, I I totally get this sentiment. Is in the 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 athletic piece that dropped, kind of that where that where the McDaniel's you know bit was in there and all that stuff. One of the reasons that the that that they gave for why that you know one of the they were pumped up about getting Gobert is that it would be hard to find another star player who is open to Minnesota the way Gobert was. And that's not nothing. And I like, I, you know, and I don't say that as a dig at Minnesota because I like, you know, it's, it would be awesome to go play with Anthony Edwards, like sign me up. Yeah. But it, 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 it like that's, I totally get that being part of the equation. I, uh, if I'm Tim Conley, I'm tripling down on the Jaden McDaniel stuff. I'm saying that the only reason we did go bear was because we thought he would create a great culture for Jaden McDaniels to thrive. <laughs> and dot, dot, dot. And Anthony Edwards. <laughs> You're misleading with the McDaniels thing. We should put, they should put Jaden McDaniels on the media guide cover. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> I like that, like how Bobby Marks is the cap expert for ESPN. Tyler's like our small market expert. That's right. Of 
Oh, let's go to our small market expert, Tyler Parker. America's Tyler, heart line. How important yeah. is it to Minnesota that Rudy Gobert wanted to play there? Hey, he actually wants thing. to be there, guys. He <laughs> actually wants to go. It's not nothing. It's like Fred Fischella when he was the international expert guy for like five years in the draft. <laughs> the draft I did where it's like, they picked Giannis. Let's go to Fran. Fran's actually seen him. He's been in the room with him. <laughs> I, uh, I think we have spent more time talking about Rudy Gobert than any probably inessential, really good all-star player since Roy Hibbert, the two years of Roy Hibbert oh, yeah. conversation. The verticality Roy Hibbert, The verticality, yeah. there were features. He made the conference finals twice. He, they beat the Knicks because the Knicks couldn't solve Roy Hibbert. It was on and now you look back and you're like, man, that was a lot of Roy Hibbert we were doing there for two years on Grantland. I think Gobert will be the same. All right, number two, Tyler, what do you got? Well, number two and number one, I think we can just lump and talk together. Got Kyrie at two and KD at one. I think, I mean, and you can just, the entire whole Nets kind of fiasco here, I think is probably worth two slots. But it, it uh, yeah, Kyrie, you know, winds up opting into the final year of his deal. And then basically as soon as he, you know, clicked the yellow button on the DocuSign, uh, Kevin, Dur you know, Rich Kleiman hit send on the, you know, Hey, get me out of here. email, yeah. And, uh, and it, it is, yeah, it's a pretty wild collapse. And I think that nobody looks good really at all. Um, I, I, on some level, I get the people who say that, Hey, they enabled this behavior for this long. Like, you know, how dare they all of a sudden try to get strong about it. I kind of get that, but I also think that, um, you know, Kyrie is, you know, not to be trusted as an employee at this point. And I don't know what Durant is thinking, you know, hitching his wagon to him. Um, and so, yeah, it's been it's been pretty wild to to watch from the Harden trade, like when they got him to this point. It's just been, the, 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 I mean, they lived so many lives as an NBA team. And it has not been a long time. Chris, where would you rank their friendships among the most tragic friendships we've had in sports <laughs> or pop culture? Like, would you put them over Axel Foley and Mikey Tandino? Just the bad match friendships. Was well, like, what was the one from at, at close range where it's like Sean Penn and his friend? Yeah, it's like I I don't I don't even know now what's theater and what's real because like there's now I think there's like a little bit of a growing sentiment that actually the Nets might just wait this out and you know it's not a growing just... sentiment. That's what they're gonna do. They're not gonna give KD away. They're wired the same way that Daryl was with Ben Simmons. They're just right. They're not going to be like, cool, here's this asset we have. We'll take 50 cents on the dollar for them. They're Can not we do doing a little quasi-recent history lesson and talk about when Kobe asked to be traded? Because I was trying to remember this story uh, before we did the pod today. And it was, you know, I think, did he go on sports radio and say he'd rather be on play, play on Pluto than play for the Lakers again? Was that true? I don't remember that part. I just remember Chicago and Detroit were involved and... I think not, that was it the Clippers, right? The Clippers were the one. Yeah, I remember that. No, but Detroit was the one that almost happened. Okay. Yeah, that was, it was like Rip Hamilton and Tayshawn Prince and Picks and some other stuff. And I, I think, I think uh, at some point, Dr. Buss famously stepped in and was like, what are we doing? We're not trading this guy. But I think it was going to be the Pistons. Hmm. So 
you know, this has happened. Hakeem almost, there was a stretch there where Hakeem was in the trade rumors, getting shopped a little bit, and then they didn't trade him. They won two titles. So There was a lot of Iverson, Larry Brown stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Saruti says, the quote is, at this point, I'll go play on Pluto right now. That's what Kobe said about, uh, yeah, he got super unhappy. They worked it out. And I think with Durant, you know, they're not going to give him away and put themselves in a situation not to have a chance to win the title. So if, if like New Orleans is like, here's Brandon Ingram and a thousand picks, maybe they'll do it. I don't know. But that's still 60, 70% on the dollar for this year's team. I would have, I personally would have had Jaden McDaniels one, Tyler, on this list. I actually think he's been the breakout star of the summer because I'm positive that unless you're a hardcore NBA person, you've had, you haven't, you don't know what he looks like. You vaguely remember seeing him in a couple Timberwolves playoff games. You might think you're talking about Jalen when you say you know who he is. You might think you're talking about the uh, like Jalen McDaniels and not Jaden McDaniels. Right, right. Like it, like it. it they, they, I might have even called him Jalen McDaniels on this podcast when it's <laughs> when it's Jaden. Um, okay, I have some uh, some of my honorable mentions for you. First of all, cannot believe Skinny Luca didn't get even a mention. Yeah, I, that, the one honestly, photo that's him with the point. biceps. I, I don't know where you were. I feel like I know it's summer. You're. You know, you're having some rosé on the beach, just kind of <laughs> kind of chilling. I don't know what you're up to. Maybe you're not as focused as usual, but that Luca biceps photo, you're usually all over stuff like that, but we'll give you a pass. It is you're, the summertime. I should give a shout out then to the person who did the shading on those biceps. They did a great job. They look... It's it, Damian uh, Lillard's social guy. He was he was doing <laughs> the, the, the ranch for the Blazers thing, and he came, he came in for free. Um, I have as a summer character Kawhi. Just because he's the opposite of every one of these other guys. There's no Kawhi updates. We haven't seen him do anything. I don't know where he is. I don't know where he lives. I don't know if he's 100%. I don't know if he likes the Clipper moves. I don't know if he's excited for the season. He's just... Where is he? One of my favorite things is towards the end of the regular season and in the beginning of the playoffs was seeing Kawhi and Paul George on the bench at Clippers games. Because they were yeah. literally dressed the way I dressed throughout COVID, where it was like Patagonia shorts and t-shirts <laughs> and like both at once clearly had not come from working out, but were not in any way trying to like dress up for being on the bench for at an NBA game. They were just like, yeah, work from home, brother. <laughs> it's the it's the revolution. I, I really want that to be a continuing trend. Like, like Tyler, was he excited about John Wall? Did he have input on it? We just don't know. He's. I just, feel like the. I feel like the last time that we got is was the last time we got a public sighting when he was eating chicken fingers on the sidelines of the Super Bowl and he like wasn't clapping like the rest of the team was clapping and he wasn't. Is that the last I, time that people saw him like in there public? was? Yeah, maybe there was video of him. Remember, like the what Chris mentioned that like where he's hitting a couple threes and people got excited that he might uh, yeah, be coming yeah. back for the playing game. But yeah, I just. It's amazing. These guys are so omnipresent, right? KD is ready to fight with anybody on Twitter. LeBron comes jumping off the top rope every once in a while with these tweets, or he knew all along this guy. Like he does his whole thing. On down the line, Kyrie, and then Kawhi's just just gone. Uh, two more for me. Popovich, a guy yeah. you've both of you guys like a lot. Uh, I just think it's hilarious that they are the favorites for uh, Nada for Wimbanyaba or whatever whatever we're going to end up calling it. Um, Popovich had this long quote about tanking. 
Remember they were going for the playing game and he gave this long soliloquy on tanking? Right. Thanks to Justin Termini for recirculating this on Twitter. He said, part of it is it's just not who we are. It's not who I am. I can't operate like that, which might not be the most intelligent overall philosophy to have. And I get that. But we am who we am. <laughs> we're going to go out. We're going to go ahead and compete. I think the young players gain a real understanding of a philosophically moral space where it's the right thing to do to continue to compete. Frankly, I don't know how I'd go to my team and say, okay, <laughs> we're not going to compete the way we should or how you'd get that across or with a wink and a nod. I think you do the players a disservice if they're not able to go out and perform at the best of their ability. I think the lessons to be learned are very important as their careers advance. You hope that in the long run, they gain value from that that will help them compete at an even higher level. I understand the opposite. I just can't do it. Does he know Murray's not on the team anymore? <laughs> they just traded 25-year-old Murray. They traded White. I think they're... I don't even know who their starting point guard is. It I might very up. well be Doug McDermott playing point forward. They, there's some... My <laughs> guy Sohan. A lot of primo. Like, what happened? Like, are they going to trade Jakob Pertl into the Celtics trade exception? Like, they're clearly tanking. So Tyler, longtime popologist, how is Pop going to spin this to, we're not tanking, this is actually great. This reminds me of the old days when I was coaching college. It's all about improving the young guys and try to spin it. I did see that he had he he mentioned that it was like he he talked to, he he referenced that it was he was ex, the, whenever the the Murray trade came down the quote that came out of the you know of from Popovich or whoever with the Spurs was like oh Pop's pumped it's like his Cal Pomona days now or whatever and so mm. I think that that is gonna be the like you know what Pop thought that he was he was ready to hang it up. He was ready to give it up, but you know what? He's been around these young guys, and they've just they've just pumped him full of life, and he's ready, and he's energized. It's not about rings anymore. It's about teaching. And I'm sure that's music to Adam Silver's ears. You know what I mean? <laughs> like One of the things you really want from one of your professional basketball teams is an homage to Pomona. You know, yeah. like... <laughs> A team, a team that is one of the only teams who lost to Caltech in basketball, like all time, like, it, um, but, and that's real. But the no, I mean, I like, I think that that's the, I think that that's how they'll sell it. I mean, I think in actuality, probably, you know, somebody put some Wimbanyana tape in front of him and saw him, you know, at seven three hitting step backs, and he was like, "All right, cool." That sounds good. Like I, you know, I think he, I think if he's got a chance to get, you know, his new Tim Duncan, right? Like I, I, I get him. Um, well, this guy might be more than Tim the, Duncan. We're right, yeah, but and and, and just and, and it's not just Wimbenyama. Like obviously, like he's the he's the big dude, but there's so many other dudes at the top of this draft that people are pumped about too. So I think maybe maybe he feels a little bit safer doing that this year in particular because of that. But no, I'm, it's, it's always funny whenever like people finally realize that tanking is sometimes just the one answer for certain teams and certain yeah. organizations to, 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 you know, improve and build like a winner that's sustainable. And it's funny when people come to that realization and just kind of have to deal with that fact. Like it, you know, it, it, it would make no sense for the Spurs to just continue to try to. To go 41 know. and 41. Right. One one quick late arrival to this characters of the year, who I don't think was should have been eligible for the top five, but we should monitor him as John Morant, the five hundred dollar sure. tip. There's a yeah. Black Jesus story. He's filming a docu series. I just I want to keep my eye on him. 
I got, I feel like I got one word. I could see him coming in hard on the new media thing and attacking somebody. Like just a random Chris Broussard, John Ranch just goes at him hard type of situation. I just I'm I just want to send our scouts toward him, Tyler. My thing with Ja is I love Ja, but when he started to tweet at some about some of the Warriors stuff, like you know, <laughs> not 24 hours after winning the title. Yeah. And say, and, and I, I you know, I, I'm not big into agreeing with, you know, Draymond. He has plenty of people that do that for him, but like Draymond is right that there's no way that, that whenever John tweeted, yeah, bring them to the M or whatever on Christmas. And it's like, <laughs> like what are you talking about? Why yeah, would he, they ever? You're Steph not Curry's, in the discussion anymore, guys. Steph Curry's not traveling on Christmas for the rest of his life. Like, like it's not going to, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, uh, th- those, I, I, I I do worry about that, but I also kind of like it a little bit. I like that he's this kind of uh, freewheeling, you know what I mean? Um, Because I think the NBA is better whenever there's like more people like talking to each other. I like like the pro wrestling angle. Yeah, I I, I, I like the theater of it. And I like I like a guy who just by nature of you know, him tweeting something, he can start to develop rivalries that either either the rivalry doesn't exist yet or he can intensify it because as the league gets to more and more of these, like, you know, stars who have, you know, one and two year deals and stuff and teams stop feeling less familiar, some of those like intense rivalries can kind of go away. You know what I mean? And I like that there's a guy who's trying to kind of, you know, Stir the pot. My last one. I can't believe you didn't mention this one. Genie Bus. Yes. Yeah. Can, you're I, right. can I read That's the tweet? A good point. You read the tweet, Chris, and then I'll give you my take. Okay. 11 11 p.m. on July 3rd. 11 11 p.m. Uh, PST. So a late night tweet for any New York Lakers fans. I miss KB. He would understand and explain everything that I'm not allowed to. Honestly, he was the greatest Laker ever. He understood team over self, meaning your rewards would come if you valued team goals over your own, then everything would fall into place. All can reply. So this is not a person who tweets a lot. If you go through her timeline, I think she has less than 10 tweets in the last two months. One of those tweets was on May 14th, where she tweets something of John C. Riley playing her dad. And she yep. says, it's clear my thoughts on this show to see the real story. Watch the Laker docuseries coming to Hulu later this year. Meanwhile, someone sent me this clip and asked if it's accurate. It is. When a star <laughs> player and owner align, winning happens. Heart Dr. Bus. So now we have, she's done less than 10 tweets in two months. Two of the tweets are about an owner and a star player being aligned on their vision on a team. I'm sorry, that can't be a fucking accident. Like, what are we doing? It it did feel like it was a spiritual successor to LeBron's infamous directed at Kevin Love tweet, stop trying to figure out a way to whatever right. you know, fit out and fit in. It felt yeah. a lot it, it felt a lot like someone giving LeBron some of the things that he had yeah, for sure. So Chris, if my guess is LeBron, this is a guess. Don't aggregate this. My guess is LeBron and his camp 
are pushing them to give up one of those picks or two of those picks in a Kyrie trade, right? And it's probably going to, there's probably going to have to be a third team if they pull it off. Westbrook's going to have to go somewhere. Something will have to go to the Nets and then Kyrie goes to the Lakers, but they'll have to give up that 2027 first, 2029 first, whatever. And she probably just doesn't want to do it. She's probably like, this is, I don't want to bring that guy in. I don't want to give up even more assets down the road. And if there's a little bit of a standoff, then maybe it comes out in that tweet. It's just a theory. But I, it, you can't tell me that this was just an accident, that these were like two of the last nine tweets that she's done were about how an owner and a star player need to be on the same page. The flip we're not side to that stupid. Is, yeah, but the other side to that is like, does she even know how to use Twitter? Like, not even like, like, are we sure that she, <laughs> she's like, I, that she's like, yeah, totally. I'm going to send subtweets. Like, she doesn't tweet very much. The funnier part to me is also. Do you think like, Linda Ra- could Linda Rambus have gotten her phone? That's what I was going to ask. I hope it was like. <laughs> I hope right. it was. I was. I was going to. I kind of hope it was Kurt though. That'd be great if it was Kurt. <laughs> if Kurt just slipped in. Co- <laughs> they were all hanging. They were all hanging out talking about like, hey, so who do you like in this? Jeannie's uh- <laughs> like, I got to go to the bathroom. She leaves her phone on the table, and somebody just grabs it. They have the pre-written LeBron subtweet ready. I don't know who else. I know she loves Kobe, but I don't know who else she's talking about. The more outrageous thing is the idea that she has not watched Winning Time. The more outrageous thing, I have pretty good info that she has. Uh, The more (laughs) outrageous thing, would you have said Kobe from start to finish was like the most awesome team builder? (laughs) Is that going to go on his resume? I like, thought really? we practiced to get better, Mitch. <laughs> there it's are little... there are there are Jeremy Lin stories from one of those years where Kobe was injured and like on the trade deadline day for the first time in a long time he showed up at the practice facility and they were like, "Hey, why are you here?" He's like, "I'm just gonna see some of you bums for the last time today." Yeah, I thought that uh, I thought that piece was funny. All right, I feel like we covered all the relevant characters. My yeah, apologies I was gonna to add John Morant. We probably could have gone further. Who? Oh, that was the one you were going to add, Chris? Genie. Okay. All right. Good to see you guys. Chris, you're still cranking out the watch. Yep. Tyler, you're cranking out uh, pieces for the ringer.com. And I know this OKC renaissance with Chet and just having Chet and Poku on the same team and just a bunch of amorphous guys with high ceilings that nobody knows what position they are. This was your dream as a Thunder fan. I'm going to dress as a skeleton every for every game. I'm pumped up. I'm I'm stoked. That's fun. The skeletons would be a good nickname for those It could guys. work. Yeah. All right. Good to see you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Bye. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident, and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, 
The only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Okay, Raheem Palmer is here. You can hear him on the Ringer Gambling Show. I was just telling you before we came on that uh, it's gotten grim with the betting. I was doing some Wimbledon bets. I had a Simona Halep parlay with Sinner to win a set off Djokovic that hit today. I couldn't have been more excited. I've been riding a little Nick Kyrgios. Um, that's how that's how desperate we've already become. Are you going to bet Summer League? What's your policy on Summer League? You know, I pick my like I watch the games. Actually, I, I did bet a Summer League game the other day. I was watching the first half of the Warriors versus the Sacramento Kings, and I'm like, the Warriors mm. can't score. Give me the first half under. So I'll do stuff like that. Like I'll I'll bet the totals. <laughs> like I'll look at a team and say, can they score? And then I'll just bet the unders. <laughs> wow, I would I would suggest riding Simona Halep on the on the rest of the tennis way because I actually think she's going to win Wimbledon. Now watch, she's going to end up losing. Uh, but I think yeah, she's plus one seventy now to win the tournament. But she was the sixteen seed, and sometimes there's value with the seeds because you know that the seeds are lower just because they haven't played enough and they do the rankings that way. And she's won before the whole thing. So now I recommend her. All right. We're going to talk basketball futures specifically because we've had pretty much every major free agency thing happen except for KD. And I am actually, I think it's more likely KD stays at this point. Brooklyn is 27 to one to win the title right now. I was looking at the odds on FanDuel and there's basically 17 teams with realistic chances right? All the way up from Boston's five to one with the best odds to New Orleans is 55 to one. There's 17 teams in that window. First question, because you do this, you, you're good at it. Are you more of a long shot guy with futures or are you more of a, oh, I think that team's going to win. I'm jumping on that price. Because at some point, betting Boston five to one, I just don't think those are good odds. Even if you think they're going to win, I just don't like the value at all. What do you think is the right value? I'm a big... I'm not a big long shot guy. I like to just lock in on a team. And if I feel like they have a shot, because I, the NBA, I mean, it's like unlike any other sport, the team with the best player tends to be there and they tend to win. So it's like, I gave out the Clippers. I gave that, I gave that out on your podcast. I think it was at plus yep. 850. It's down to plus 700. There's some plus 600s in the market. So I'm locked in on the Clippers. I think that's the, the bet that I really like. But I, I do like, I think right now with this KD stuff going on, you can't lose by picking a long shot. Right. So there's five favorites, basically. Boston, 5-1, to one, Milwaukee, plus 550. Phoenix, plus 650. Clippers, 7-1. Golden State, 7-1. I personally think Milwaukee is the favorite in my mind to win the title because they got Middleton coming back. They kept everybody. I think Joe Ingles is going to be important for them. I'm sure they'll get one more, you know, whatever. Boston, Milwaukee, just coming out of that conference, I do think there's a separation with the top two versus the rest of the tier. The West is like so much harder to figure out. And that's probably the KD, if he does get traded, he's probably going West, right? I'm not buying the Toronto stuff. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's tough to, I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, like, because I mean, if they, I mean, Masai has just, he's, he's worked off miracles. So I never want to count him out. Yeah, but he's worked off miracles where he's gotten somebody on incredible value. Yeah, that's like, true. That's true. Doing Barnes and Siakam, Marcel and I talked about this the other day, where you're basically, all you have left is KD and Van Vliet and OG and Anobi and Chris Boucher. And yeah, that's like, not right, a championship team. 
Yeah, you're not, you don't want to put KD in the same situation he was in. The Phoenix piece was interesting because there seemed like there was a way to keep him, uh, Chris Paul and Booker, and then you just kind of figure it out. But Aiton's value has been a lot, I think, lower than I think all of us expected. I mean, it's July 5th right now. I haven't even heard him link to a team yet. So you're still on the Clippers seven to one. Make the case. I mean, look, the NBA is all about wins. And you have two of the best in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And then you have Nick Batum, you have Marcus Morris, you have Terrence Mann. To me, I think, and people kill me for saying this, but Ty Lue is this generation's version of Phil Jackson. And that, and I say that not in the sense that he has 10 championships or whatever, but he's the best at getting the best out of the best players. I mean, he won a championship with Kyrie Irving. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, nobody else has been able to like come close to coaching Kyrie Irving. And he's been able to like to 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 coach this Clippers team. He's got more out of them than Doc Rivers did. And I mean, you add John Wall, that solves their point guard issues. And they don't need John Wall to beat John Wall. They just need him to just help get some easy baskets, get into transition. I mean, they still got Zubat. They still can go small. So I think out of the West, they're my favorite. So. I think that price is going to eventually go down once they get off to a good start. I think they're the high ceiling, low basement team. They have the biggest variance of anybody because there's also a world where Ka- Kawhi is just not the same. Paul George is another year where he's banged up. Like we saw with somebody like Blake Griffin, those injuries start adding up. And then at some point, you're just not the same guy anymore. And we saw what happened with Blake. I don't know if Paul George is at that point yet. But it's interesting that we have the five that's emerged and that the Warriors don't have the best odds. Like, as important as Gary Payton was to them, it's still hard for me to believe they're going to be fifth on the arts charts right now when they're bringing everybody back and they have all these young guys, you know, that I, I think will ascend at least a little bit, plus veteran minimum, who knows? Um, then you're in this next group with Miami 12 to 1, Philly 14 to 1, and the Lakers 12 to 1, which is you should honestly, uh, <laughs> you, should, you should be evaluated by a psychiatrist if you bet on that. Philly's kind of interesting at 14 to 1 because they you could talk yourself into the Harden case. Miami is a KD destination, which that could go from 12 to 1 to 3 to 1 the moment that trade goes through. But ultimately, not a lot of value. When we get to that next range, you know, Brooklyn's 27 to 1. And they might be running it back. I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I, like, I mean, you've been saying it, and I like I I just I don't see how they get anything of value. I don't think. Look, superstar trades historically, you're basically getting, you know, 75 cents to the dollar, a quarter to the dollar. And I just don't see how they trade KD. And like, even look at the Phoenix deal. You get back Bridges and Aiton, which they're not really interested in. I mean, you mentioned the Toronto deal. It just feels like the best thing to do is just to run it back and then see what happens. Yeah. And you think like they signed TJ Warren. They kind of snuck that one in. Um, They brought Patty Mills back. They, um, Ben Simmons, we think is coming back. Joe Harris, we think is coming back. Seth Curry had surgery. He's back. Um, they have Cam Thomas who maybe they could get a little more, but you start going through and, and talent wise, it's more talent than they had last year. Like a month ago, they were seven to one to win the title. And then the KD trade request, the odds went the other way. I actually think it was too much of an overreaction because I still feel like the most likely scenario is he stays. And then Kyrie in a contract year, who knows? I mean, if anyone's, Labo to throw a contract here to have the tubes. It's him. Where it gets interesting here with the value, Denver 24 to 1, Dallas 25 to 1, Memphis 25 to 1. You're known to make proclamations from time to time. 
Could you see one of those three in the conference finals at least? I would say like Dem- if I give you Denver. 50, if I give you even odds, one of those three will make the conference finals. That's it. Would you take it? I would take Denver. Okay. Me too. I mean, look, you got one of the best players in the world in Nikola Jokic, and then you bring back Murray. Uh, I mean, it's just, I can't count out Jokic. I'm pricing him like the same way I would like a LeBron James or a Joel Embiid because right. it's just, he's that good. Bruce Brown, little sneaky signing. Yeah. Thought, I kind of like that one. They got a little wing help in KCP. Feels like they're a guy short. I'm not sure if they're a tax team. Dallas, definitely. I don't know how they fix the, Br- the Brunson thing where to just not get anything back for that spot makes me nervous. And then Memphis, this Jaron Jackson thing, he got hurt again. And they're saying, ah, December. But we know with basketball, it's like December turns into February. Who knows? And then you lose slow-mo. Right. And they lose slow-mo. I don't think, you know, and they added some young guys, but uh, hopefully Jai will be healthy with them. Minnesota trades everything they have for Gobert. And they're still 36 to one. They have the eighth best odds in the West. To win, uh, to win the title. If I'm trading everything I have for a player, I better have better odds than 36 to one after the trade. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I actually have a, I actually have a futures bet involving the Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's hear it. Okay, it's Anthony Edwards' most improved player, 12 to one at FanDuel. Okay, so it's like everybody universally panned that Gobert deal, and yeah. I think it was the right thing to do. But in the short term, Gobert does make them a better regular season team. And when you look at the history of the Most Improved Player Award, it's usually a player, if you look at like eight of the last 10 years, it's a player who goes from being a good player to an all-star. Look at Anthony Edwards. Last year, he was 21 points per game. In the playoffs, he's at 25 points per game. If this Minnesota Timberwolves team is a 50-55-1 team, he's an all-star. And you look at the Minnesota Timberwolves last year, they underperformed their Pythagorean expectation by two games. Mm. They won 46 games. They probably should have won 48. And you look at Anthony Edwards. I mean, in the playoffs, 25 points per game. If he's averaging 25 points per game and this team is a playoff team, he's probably the most improved player. So he's at 12 to 1. He's favorite. But I think that's a little bit, I don't think that's priced properly. I think there's still a ton of value in it. There's, this is a good award to bet on when there's so many candidates that basically you can get any favorite for 12 to 1, 15 to 1, whatever. Yeah, as you said, he's 12 to 1. I thought that that one jumped out as, at me too. I thought Mobley at 36 to 1 was the other one based on the formula you just laid out of the good guy that jumps. Because but we've the, the, seen, the, thing with Mo, the thing with Mobley is they don't, they don't like to give the award to second year players. So you think third, third year is the year? Third year is mm. the year. John Morant won it in his third year. Um, mm. I think Brandon Ingram, well, he was about fourth or fifth or, or whatever, but it's that third year where they, they make the jump because they know that rookies, they don't want, I mean, obviously rookie's not going to get it, but a second year player is like, they're assumed to be better than a rookie. So I don't think any second year player has ever won it. I like your Edwards call because, you know, I didn't like, I obviously, I, I absolutely despise the Minnesota trade, but short term, it's going to make them a 50 win team. It's going to give him a defensive backbone. And uh, and the whole thing, I thought um, one thing that really jumped out to me was the rookie of the year where you can get Bancaro at plus 360 still. And he's the most NBA ready guy of all those guys. It's a, the best situation. Um, and I just I, I was kind of stunned. I thought he would be like, I don't know, plus 150, plus 175 range. I just think he's immediately going to come in and put up stats. 
That team will be fun to watch. And I didn't understand those odds. What do you think of that? Plus 360. Yeah, I did think that's a little, I mean, like, I agree with you. I, I think, I mean, he's a guy who can come in. I mean, wing players are it now. And I mean, this Magic team can't score. So right. they're going to need him to come in and score. And I mean, like, with the depth around them, they could be a fringe playing tournament team. And I think right. he could lead them there. And I mean, you look at Jabari Smith in, in Houston, Chet in Oklahoma City. I mean, those are teams who I don't expect them to do much. So I think I think this is way too low and there's definitely some value in Palo. Murray at 11-1 is a fun one. If he just goes to the Kings and he just is just hit threes and 17 a game and the Kings are actually better than we think. Jabari, there's a little bit of a, I have a chip on my shoulder because I thought I was going first and they didn't take me and now I'm going to be working. But I, to me, it seems like it would seem uh, ambitious for him. Paolo, I, I'm stunned by the odds. All right, here's my favorite NBA future. The Chicago Bulls are 46 to 1 to win the East. They were 46 and 36 last year. Lonzo played 35 games. Patrick Williams played 17. And Caruso was hurt basically for half the year, came back in the playoffs and was a little bit hurt. They're going to be throwing out starting five Lonzo, Levine, DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Vucevic. Coming off the bench, Dragic, Caruso, Derek Jones, Andre Drummond, Terry, the rookie they picked. I like that guy, Io. <laughs> yeah, I was in on him. Kobe White, you figure they either trade him or something, but pretty deep team. And I think people forgot how good Patrick Williams was in flashes, at least as a defender. Uh, I thought the Dragic signing, at first it was like, wow, why is he going to Chicago? I don't know. I'm not saying they're going to win the East, but I am shocked that they are so far behind Miami and Philly specifically that Miami's 12 to one, Philly's 14 to one, Chicago's 46 to one. That doesn't make sense to me. I do think it's a little high, but, and I think you're going to end up having some cash out value. I look, I mean, I'm not the biggest DeRozan fan at all. Like, I mean, he's store brand Kobe to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like when, it, when, when it's playoff time, I can't really count on him. And I think, when the Bulls get into the playoffs, you're going to see the gap between a DeRozan and a Giannis, the gap between DeRozan and a Butler. And I think that's where it hurts you. But I think you have a tremendous cash out value. I think any team with DeRozan, you're you're basically going to, like, and I, I wrote a column about this, like, last year on the Bulls, when the Bulls were, like, the second seed. You're basically looking at them like the 2014 to 2018 Raptors. They're going to be a right. great regular season team, but when the playoffs start, they just don't have the guys. But that's good for 46 to 1 if they're a good regular season team. I, I I can buy in my value with that and then I can go against it once the playoff starts. You figure they're exactly. in round you, one. Or you could even cash out. I mean, at yeah. FanDuel, they allow you to cash out these futures so you can get some value on that or you can hedge. Um, so there's definitely some good value. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. Brooklyn was 14 to 1 to win the East, by the way. That, that just jumped out at me as... Man, like, you know, Kevin Wilds was doing this bit on uh, First Things First about this, about... You watch the Last Dance documentary. I'm just stealing this from you, Wilds. I'm sorry. And all the dysfunction that team had, right? Pippen's not going to play. They're going to try to trade Pippen. This team's so old. And, you know, and then all of a sudden they're in the playoffs again. And, you know, obviously I'm not comparing them to the 98 Bulls. But the point is, sometimes you get rock bottom with this stuff. And then it gets to December. And it's like, oh, things are actually okay. And guess what? This team still has Kevin Durant. And Kyrie's able to play every game again. 
and they're shooting. And this was so weird, but all of a sudden this team is in the mix. So I don't know, the 14 to one, I think they have the third most talent behind Milwaukee and Boston. They keep everybody. Obviously Kyrie could blow it up in five seconds, but I just think, I think that's the odds are too high. I mean, at the end of the day, they lost four games to the Boston Celtics, who probably could have won the championship by a combined 18 points. Yeah, all like, those games were close in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and it's just like, I mean, look, if Kyrie plays a full season, or not even a full season, I mean, he plays 40, 50 games, this team's not a seventh seed. Like, I, they just kind of caught a bad break. I mean, they Kyrie didn't have the vaccine, obviously. I mean, look, he wasn't the only NBA player who didn't want to be vaccinated. He just happened That's to true. play in a city where they had this stupid rule that didn't apply anywhere else. So yeah. I think you get Kyrie and you get Kevin Durant. And then, I mean, Ben Simmons really solves a lot of their issues. So I think they're a top three, four seed if they bring everybody back. But, I mean, I don't know what's going on with the owner or Sean Mark. So. Yeah, who knows? Did you see that picture of uh, Ben Simmons working out? Yeah. When it, it was like right before Durant's trade request and the Nets tweeted this kind of Ben Simmons snarl photo of like, I'm getting in shape. Look out, everybody. The thing is, Ben Simmons was really good. If he, he solved his back thing, I voted for him, I think, third team all NBA, maybe twice. You know, so it's not like, you know, that's a real thing. I think he's, I mean, I think his problems with the six were overstated. To me, Tobias Harris was worse than Ben in that series against the Hawks. I mean, yeah. Tobias Harris was their number two Ben just doesn't want to shoot. And now he's on a team where he has Kyrie and Kevin Durant. He doesn't have to shoot. <laughs> what, uh, any summer league advice for us for gambling? One of my biggest approaches to summer league is that I like to target teams who have second year players. As we all know, in the NBA, basketball is the one sport in which one player can drastically impact the outcome of a game. So if you're looking at a team with a second or third year player in summer league, you know, after having that NBA experience in that full year or two, it's like they come out they come out to summer league and they're like men amongst boys. You know, you look at the Memphis Grizzlies right now, they're playing the Philadelphia 76ers as we speak. They have Zaire Williams out there. And I mean, that's a huge advantage to have a guy who has already played a full year, sometimes even played in the playoffs. So I like to target those teams. In addition, I think there's some other things that I like to target as well. I think if you target underdogs in the summer league, you have a positive expected value wager. I mean, since 2016, according to Bet Labs, underdogs are too. 114 and 145. That's 60% against the spread. So, I mean, we all know the VIG is 52.38%. So, if you're hitting 60%, I mean, you got a positive expected value wager betting those underdogs. I think you could also approach underdogs on the money line as well. I mean, that's also a positive expected value wager. If they're covering, more often than not, they're going to win. I think underdogs are like 64 and 68 since 2016. So I think you got a positive expected value, value wager there as well. I mean, I think you look at, you know, some movement on the overs. I mean, I always talk about how I like to bet against human achievement on the unders, but when you see some movement on the overs in these summer league games, it tends to work out. So those are some of my approaches. I was just talking to somebody at a 4th of July party. We were talking about betting and they were saying how much they like betting the overs. And he, and he was like, I know it's a dumb bet. I know they want me to bet the over, but it's just not fun to bet under. It's not fun to root against stuff. And I'm like, this is why, this is why the lines are high. You always get an extra point or two and, and that's where the value is. So I, I, I tend to look for unders all the time. I mean, there was a period of time where when I first started betting NBA, I'd say around 2010, 2011, 2012, I was betting a lot of first half overs. Um, but I mean, let, that's all been correct. Now. <laughs> right. Well, you had a lot of success during the finals with the unders. 
I mean, the the offense basically died in that series. What was it uh, after Game Three? It just yeah. the Game Four, Game Five, Game Six. That was it, and you could yeah. see it. Yeah, I mean that's that's my that's my strategy, especially for the playoffs. I like to bet a lot of unders. So, all right, you can hear Raheem on the Rear Gambling Show. We'll do some summer league gambling stuff. I I get my guess would be FanDuel will have some some uh some summer league MVP stuff. I'm trying to figure out same game parlays for. Yankees, Red Sox, because it, it, it's on. And we have, whenever Evaldi is pitching, um, I'm same game parling him with like a Devers hit and uh, the over, or maybe the under for that game because it's Evaldi, but Evaldi against the Yankees I like. So that was, that was the one I was thinking with him, but I'll, I'll see what the matchup is. But you, so you stay away from baseball too. Um, I pick my spots in baseball. Um, I know the year the Nationals won the World Series, we had the twenty-five to one. Um, mm. but I'm really picking. I mean, I'm I'm really big on picking my spots. So I'll like I actually had a um, I'm big on no score first inning, inning. <laughs> like I love those. <laughs> um, but I also it's just like playoffs. That's when I like I really jump in. No score first inning. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm gonna have to monitor that one. What else are we gonna do? This is the most dead time of sports we've had in. I think um, three years. Yeah, I mean, no score, no score first inning is a good one, especially when you got two good pitchers. Um, I mean, like your bet's over in 10 minutes. You know, if you won, you know, if you lost. Um, another one, um, damn, I wish FIBA just ended, which is, I mean, FIBA was excellent because it's just like, I mean, like you got teams who were just really going all out. Like I think, um, damn, who did I catch the other day? I caught um, Columbia. <laughs> money line, like a big, wow. like a big money line. I mean, so it's just like, and then I'm big on like live betting is really, I mean, like live betting gives you so many different advantages. So I'm a big live better. Well, our big advantage and the big bet that you and I are going to make together this summer is the Anthony Joshua fight. And we will be fading Anthony Joshua and I cannot wait. And it's the lock of the year. I do not believe in him at all. It's going to be awesome. I hope the fight doesn't get canceled, but this is a rare once in a year chance to bet against a boxer that you know cannot beat the other guy. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited for that one. What is what are the odds on that now? It's it's plus 166 for Joshua right now. Oh my God. All right. We're on this. Yeah. Right, we'll we'll talk offline. Raheem Palmer, we're seeing the Ringer Gambling Show. Good to see you. Good to see you. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know. Or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad from you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those. They bottle everything up, bottle everything up, and then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board. You can learn better coping skills. You can learn how to set some boundaries. Maybe how to empower yourself a little better day to day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer. BetterHelp. A convenient and flexible way, since it's entirely online right now. It's easy to get started too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bill Simmons. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions. But right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted. 
by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. All right, Zoe Simmons is here, my daughter, 17 years old. She's been coming on this podcast really since when? Like you were like 11 or 12, giving us the teen culture. Teen culture updates. So we're going to do every summer you come in and tell us what's going on. Give us the big picture. You levitate above everything that happened and explain the biggest things. There's two things that I think you can explain better than anyone I know. The first is Minions, <laughs> which made an incredible, what did it make, $125 million this weekend? I, I wouldn't be surprised if it made more than that. So you were on this pretty early. You got super excited about it. You and your friend Ruby decided to go on Friday night dressed as Minions characters. And your mother and I were like, what is going on? <laughs> we, we didn't understand it. We didn't understand it. And you were telling us like, this movie's going to become a thing. All my friends are going. We're all dressing up. So when did Minions come out? Why is this a thing? Well, Minions have been around forever. It's one of those things like Stranger Things for me. I've grown up around it. It's something that's like been stable throughout my life. I've had movies come out in really every important year of my life. And they they definitely do mean something. Like they're they're very funny and they're playful and they're nothing serious. But How many Minions really movies have movies. there been? Uh, this was the fourth one, I think, or the fifth. So this is, compare it to something, compare it to something from my childhood. Like a phenomenon? Okay. <laughs> I, like this is, you have no idea. But Minions has never had quite the impact that it had this year. And social, social media has a big influx on that. Like a, a really, really big role in why Minions was so huge this year. Because my generation just loves to take things and troll them and just make them like absolutely ridiculous and play it up. So things like TikTok, where every single teenager is on this app from age range of like 12 to 19 and even older than that, millennials are on TikTok. But we all like have this secret code and we all prepared ourselves when the Minions came out saying that there was going to be a new movie. Like throughout this entire past month of June and July, we have been posting shit about how we're all going to go and dress up. We're going to wear suits. And like, this is going to be the Met Gala for teenagers going to see the Minions movie. <laughs> and like, it certainly did not fail because I've seen multiple TikToks of theaters being raided by 15 to 17 year olds mosh pitting when Yeet, who plays in a part of the Minions movie, yeah, which is like, just it really pushed it over the edge for the Minions. Everyone was mosh pitting in, in the theater at the bottom of the theater as Yeet played and the Minions were doing their thing. Can you explain to me what Minions is? Because I don't know. I don't even remember you watching this, and which is weird because we've lived together your entire life. We have. The Minions are are huge. It's it's the entire movie series. It's like, it's not a superhero movie. It's a super villain movie where the main guy, Gru, has grown up around these little like yellow blobs who he adopted, quote unquote, when he was younger. They kind of spawned in like, a random part of Alaska. They lived in like some random tundra and they kind of traveled all of their way to live with Gru and then Gru adopted them and made him or made them his minions to help him um, 
take over the world, basically. So the first one was in 2015. So you were like nine or 10 years old. Yeah. And since then, they've just been putting out movies. And honestly, a huge franchise because the Minions have like, they're so identifiable. They're just like these little yellow blobs that we have come to know and love. And now as 17 year old, like TikTok, you have no idea the influence that it has on kids. Because we've been talking about <laughs> or should this. I be scared? You should, should be I be scared, scared of that? Because for months we've been talking about this and it really did happen. Like everyone went to these theaters dressed up as minions or dressed in suits. Like all the boys went in suits, all the girls dressed up as minions practically, and went to the theaters and mosh pitted. And it was like this entire inside joke that all of these teenagers had revolving around the minions. Like Do you think the people who made the movie knew that was gonna happen? Were they banking they on definitely, this? Well, they they put some all Disney movies make some references to more mature minds, even though they're meant for younger kids, quote unquote. They like there were a few references in there that were like the minions were hitting a stizzy and stuff like that. And they were like they're smoking and just doing doing shit that teenagers recognize and think is funny. Like they definitely cater to multiple different audiences. And I think that teenagers think it's funny when there's like references made that are because teenagers are morons. No, because it's like we have some sort of um, superiority over the little kids in the movie theater. It's more of like a taking power over little kids, like something that's supposed to be a little kids movie. And we're kind of taking it and trolling with it. Do you know what trolling means? I know what trolling means. Okay, I'm just making sure. So it was it was what, just like, what am I like 200 years old? I don't old? know. I just don't know what words you know and what words you don't. But it was it was just an entire joke. And it, it really it played through. It's scary the things that TikTok can do. Like when the first raid of area um 51 happened yeah allegedly before covid which was going to happen if covid wasn't so absurd um but like the 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 power that tiktok holds is definitely a scary thing and the minions movie definitely showed that in some way i want to talk about the tiktok power but before we let minions go this was the first go back to the theater event for teenagers since the pandemic right it did it did i felt Going to this movie, of course, I wanted to see the Minions because I, I love the Minions and I think the movies are fabulous and they're funny and they're very lighthearted and I just have a good time watching them. But I love going to movies. That was something that I loved most all throughout my middle school years, like going yeah. to Century City and being with my friends and like hanging out at the mall. Like that's that was the greatest thing to me, like the all time greatest thing. Until and- you found drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's cap. And then cocaine changed. Yeah, cocaine and, you know, yeah. all, all the hard stuff came through. But it's just something childish that I that I had always held close to my heart. And I think a lot of kids my age did as well. And the, pandef- the pandemic definitely took a toll on that. And people kind of got crazy. And we kind of lost track of, like, the childish innocence that everyone had. And the Minions kind of brought that back with making uh, everyone go to the movie theater. And it made, it made all it the money, sweet. too. It, it did. It what made a money success story. It was, it, it's really a wonderful thing. I, I sure hope that they put out some other movies that will bring us all together again as, a, as an age group and as a world in general. Well, the other thing that brought everybody together was Stranger Things, which we're not going to talk about yet because we'll do it at the end because we're going to spoil stuff. Okay, true. On the TikTok thing. Yeah. There's a couple things you said in there. One was about, basically you're saying TikTok is evil and can control the minds of teenagers. I didn't say it's evil, but it, it is, it is an evil. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a scary thing. I, 
social media is something that no one will understand unless you've grown up with it. Like you could never understand social media the way that I understand social media because my entire life has been social media. Yeah. Like I know the ins and the outs of it. Like you existed in a world for a long time where there was nothing like what I have now. And like so many weird- Back in my day, they used to deliver a newspaper (laughs) and then we'd read it. And then we'd throw it out. Social life is so different because of social media and TikTok and Snapchat and like Instagram and all these things. Like I will go to parties and I'll go out to meet people and I'll see someone's face. And I know that person. And I'll be like, you're so-and-so. And they'll be like, you're so-and-so. And then we'll talk about some sort of mutual friend that we saw we had online. Like there's just all these automatic connections that you have to people because of social media, which is such a scary thing. And it's also such a reason. In some ways, it's a good thing. But then in other ways, thing, it's but frightening. Also it's, it's frightening because it's like you can also make so many assumptions about somebody based on their social media profile. And then they become some sort of person in your head and then you meet them in real life and you're like, oh, they're they're actually normal. Because social media is not a real concept. It's something that exists on an, an online world, which is not, it's real, but it's not real. So all these people are not real to you. It's the real you, metaverse. Until you meet them. And it's just, it's such a perplexing concept because I meet all these people and I've seen them before and I see the things that they post and I make assumptions about them and then I meet them and I'm like, oh, they're actually cool or oh they actually suck and they seem like they'd be cool and it's just like it's it's so weird well and then, some people can their social media persona can be a lot more interesting than oh, actually spending time with them social media is a snapshot of the best parts of your life yeah and a lot of people don't take that into account and then compare themselves to the best parts of someone's life or most likely edited and all of this stuff like social media is dangerous we know that, but TikTok was well, really general, dangerous for teenage girls. For teenage girls, absolutely. I feel like I've navigated my way pretty well around it, but like everyone has their own problems with body image, with everything, like with how many followers you have, like all of these superficial things that you never think would matter truly matter because social media is such a powerful concept in the life of someone like me. Well, you've seen all the studies, right? Where it's about it's this picture of I'm at a dinner or I'm at a party or I'm, this is the best angle of me or I'm at the beach and everything seems absolutely awesome. But then the person who's looking at it on their phone or whatever, maybe they're not having the most awesome day. And now that's like, now it's in their head. Now you're looking at yourself. Like what happened? Yeah. What happened to me? It's just, it's, it's evil. It really is. But it's also that's, they need it to be evil for it to work. That's yeah, the but way think that, about that, that though. It is. I mean, what would happen if the government put restrictions on how many hours kids could, what if it was like a driver's license where it tracked how long you were on it and once you hit like two hours? I mean, I feel like I was just talking to mom earlier. We're going on vacation in a few days and she was like, if you lose your phone, like it will be detrimental. We won't be able to get it back. And I'm like, are, are you kidding me? I would never lose my phone. Yeah. And it's like, that's scary to me. Like I- You'd lose mom, but not your phone. I would lose mom before I lose my phone. And that's, I hate to say that because I I love existing in the real world and I love hiking and I love nature and I love doing all these self-care and wellness things. But like I've existed around my phone and social media and technology for my entire life. And because of that, it just feels like a regular normal thing that I always have to have on me. It's like an extension of me. 
And I hate that. And I hate that. You hate when I take your phone. When I hate you're just it. Sitting, I'm sitting next to you and I just grab it and it's like, oh, a, it drives me crazy. And I life. hate that it drives me crazy. But it's like, I, I feel like I'm cut off from this entire world where all of my people exist if I don't have it. But the thing is, you're pretty normal with social media. I, I think am. there's people way oh, worse way than worse. You. But I mean, I, I sound like a crazy person right now and I promise I'm not. Yeah. Well, you're out. Like you're you're doing stuff. You're playing yeah, sports. Yeah, I'm never. I'm, you're out with your friends. Compared to not to compare to others, but compared to others, I'm really not on my phone very often. But yeah. I'm, I'm. But you feel like you're on your phone too much. I which feel is like scary. I'm. I always have my phone, which is which is weird. And then it's something like TikTok, where we could take something like the Minions movie that's coming out, and one person says, "Let's wear suits and dress like the Minions, and let's make this a huge thing, and let's mosh pit in theaters," and then some like in some way a million people start liking this video and then seven million people like this video and then everyone is going to the theater and mosh pitting and it's just like the influx that that this can have like if we turn social media to focus on other things that might need a little bit more attention like it it's just the power you mean like social- the election yeah like the election or or you know everything that's been going on recently with roe v wade like all this stuff. Roe v. Wade. Why can't TikTok be used for good with well, Roe v. Wade for I, you? Because, because I don't know. It should be. But also, so, there's so much you can do outside of social media to advocate for stuff like that. But showing how powerful TikTok was with something like the Minions, there's no way that it couldn't be powerful with other things that actually deserve attention and people to be focused on. So how did your generation process the Roe v. Wade stuff through social media? Because... We were talking about you have some friends who are like won't apply to college anymore in states that don't yeah. have it and things like that. This is like a real you're a real heading thing. into twelfth grade. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I get frustrated with these types of situations. Obviously, as a woman, it's really scary for this all to be going on. But I particularly get frustrated because the most that someone will do will put re, re, will be reposting a story on their Instagram, like an article headline. And saying something like, oh, this is devastating or this, this is horrible. This sucks. Like that would be the most. Almost like they does. want other people to know that to they know were that horrified. They, yeah, that they're horrified. Like here's, and I, I reposted a few things. So I'm not saying I'm not like falling victim to this, but I wanted to raise awareness because I have a few thousand followers on my profile. And like, if someone doesn't know about this, I want them to know. Yeah. But I, I know the mindsets of, of certain people can be, I'm just going to post this so that other people don't think that I don't care. Yeah. And that's like as far as an extent as it goes. And then they'll be talking to their friends outside of it and not even really caring or helping or thinking about the actual issue at hand and people in poverty who have to deal with this. People who can't access anything now or have no form of transportation who are stuck in states where they can't or have to drive like 800 miles if they want to take care of an issue and if they don't have a car like there's all these factors that people just don't think about at all whatsoever and especially living where we live yeah and going to the school that i go to which is a private school which i'm very fortunate to go to there's a lot of shelteredness going on and people don't really see the real world. And I feel like it's going to be very shocking when everyone goes to college and realizes that these are real issues that actually affect them rather than just being some social media posts they repost. So what do you think your generation is learning from all the mistakes that have happened in the last six, seven years? Are they learning anything or are they just on their phones just looking at mini stuff? (laughs) (laughs) There's only a handful of people that I know that are actually 
really advocating for this shit. But it's also, it's hard to involve yourself so heavily in something so traumatic. Like, it is. Well, like, you can't vote yet. I can't, it's not like I you can't have any power. Shit. I'm 17. Like, yeah. And a lot of my friends are 17. And I feel like we all have a great sense of hopelessness. Like, this is just something that we feel like we can't help. Meanwhile, we, we can do certain things, but it's like the real people that can make a change here sometimes don't want to make a change or don't care to make a change because it doesn't affect them. Yeah. Or so they think. Um, but social media, again, is just such a powerful platform and so much can be done and so much awareness can be raised. And like, it, it's just, it's not used in the right ways sometimes. And like we see the power that it has, but we don't use it. But people don't want to be lectured either. So there's like some middle ground. Yeah, you well, want there, to there educate, also, but not lecture. There is. Yeah. But there is also like sometimes people have fear that others who might not agree with their opinions yeah. are going to judge them or are not going to want to be affiliated with them anymore. Or like there's just because everyone has versatile opinions, depending on where you come from, what your family believes, like whatever. Everyone thinks something different. Not everyone thinks the same thing, very obviously. Um, and kind of advocating for what you think can be scary, I guess. In in a I'm just impressed mind. you used the word versatile correctly. <laughs> in a hypothetical <laughs> mind, it can, it can be scary because you don't. Again, social media is all perception because you don't know who who the person is who's actually posting stuff. They post something, and your perception's changed. And like for someone who's fragile, who doesn't want to lose followers per se or doesn't like want their image to be affected might not want to post something about so something political well if you're the czar of social media if you're the president what would be like your two fixes that you would do to try to make it better and safer for people or more productive well in advocating for these types of things you can algorithm is a thing yeah. Everyone has an own specific algorithm. I'm sure which, everyone which your algorithm? this. His algorithm. Yours my, is makeup and, my, yeah, and food? Yeah, my Instagram algorithm is, is really makeup, food, soccer. That's about it. Those are the videos that I'm given, but that's because those are the things that I research. Well, we should mention you have a real fascination with people getting ready for something. I do. I, I love it. I which started in it. the pandemic. It started in the pandemic and I do love it. It's comforting. I just like watching people get ready and talk while they get ready. Like on my TikTok, that's most of the videos that I see. It's like people getting ready to go do something, which seems so stupid, but that's what I like. So why Anyways, don't you have your own vlog where you just get ready? <laughs> I'm working on it. If people would want to see that, let me know because I'll do it. <laughs> well, how would it be any more or less interesting than anybody else's I like video watching other. Ready. It's weird because it's it's so much different being on it. Like, I've tried to do it a few times and it's it's scary. But back to the, the chair of social media. Yeah. I would definitely make the algorithm so that everyone sees the stuff that's advocating for women's rights, for um, gun violence protection, for Roe v. Wade, for um, discrimination, for racism, everything that's advocating for some sort of like minority group, I guess, or anything that had happened, that needs attention, I would make that on everyone's feed first. Instead of people getting kicked in the balls? Yeah. By, <laughs> or hit it in the or balls by a wiffle ball? Or getting kicked out of the Minion movie because or it's like, things can get clouded depending on your algorithm, but I'd, I'd make sure that that was front and foremost. Well, what you just laid out will never happen. So what would be your next thing? <laughs> um, my next move. I, I mean, just 
Because like places to donate, it's so accessible now too because you can just go on websites and donate to foundations and it's like so easy. But people are so lazy because social media is so fast now. It's like it takes two seconds to do anything on the internet. So something that takes like two minutes to do, people steer away from. Mm. So I'd probably... There are these stories that Instagram can put out that aren't people's stories, but they're the Instagram story. So while you're scrolling through, I just on the Instagram story, I'd post like five different fundraising links and then you can just press on that. And What if they donate. just ban TikTok? I don't... By this point, it's like so far gone. Like I'd be depressed if TikTok was gone. Like that would suck. Yeah, but you could have said the same about like cocaine in the 80s. <laughs> I don't do cocaine. Like it's, but I mean, it's like... Different. But that was a drug. It's, I guess the question is, is TikTok almost like a drug? It, it is, but it's also a lifeline and it's also... It's people make money off like this is sad, but I know so many influencers that like their prime job is TikTok because they make people make money off of TikTok. Like this is people's jobs. Like they they leave their jobs to do TikTok. Once you have a certain amount of followers, you make a certain amount of money every time you post a video. So it's like and I have friends who just blow up on TikTok randomly and then all of a sudden have like. 150,000 followers and it's like Jesus. what the hell like you they become like influencers just by standing in front of their phone yeah, just, and dancing yeah or or making like certain because you can TikTok now as a three minute feature and you can make your own videos it's like an extension of Vine or a shorter version of YouTube yeah so it's like it's that sweet spot in between but these are people's jobs so I don't think I'd want to eradicate TikTok but there should be as sad as it is there should be more more rules and definitely you should be used in better ways what is your favorite YouTube show right now? Or do, are you more on TikTok? I'm I'm more on TikTok. I still love my girl, Miss Remy Ashton. Um, she's just like a fabulous Asian YouTuber. She makes a lot of Asian-inspired meals. She makes healthy meals, meals that you can make in an air fryer. Like I love food and she shows me how to make healthy recipes, how to just make like any sort of quick on the on the go food. Like she just, she shows me all of these new recipes and kind of opens a lifeline in that way for me. Yeah. And she also like gardens and she just does all this health and wellness stuff. And I really look up to her. I think she's, she's a cool lady. And she Who's your favorite TikTok person? Relaxes me. Um, I don't see TikTok's not like that. That's, that's my issue. There's just so many people. It's, it's just, like, it's all different. There's not like a main person that takes it over. I like a few cooking people. And you don't, there's more? no specifics. Your favorite show, other than Stranger Things, was that Amazon show. What was it called? The Summer I Turned Pretty? Oh, I loved The Summer I Turned Pretty. But you know, it was really... It, it makes me so mad that like these these people can never fully get it right. Like The Summer I Turned Pretty, it was perfect. I wouldn't change a single thing. Based on the Jenny Han novel. Yeah. Right. And I wouldn't change a single thing about this show. I thought it was absolutely perfect. But then again, I also love cheesy stuff. I love stuff that I know is unrealistic. Like I could say the most realistic show that we've been given as teenagers is Euphoria. And even then, like that's crazy to say. Yeah. It is a very much exaggerated version of a teenage life. In my opinion, someone's teenage life could be exactly like that. I don't know. But like- I doubt it. And, and The Summer I Turned Pretty is, is a very glorified version of a teenage life in a very cringy way. Like they use teenage slang like TikTok slang over the top. Like it's just so unrealistic. But I love it because I love cheesy stuff like that. 
So what's the premise? Girl can, goes to a beach town and she, no, she... She always, every year, she goes back to the same beach town to stay with their family friends. And she's yeah. always been in love with the older brother. And there's just like a love triangle and all this stuff happens. She turned pretty this summer, quote unquote. So yeah. then she, the brothers are obsessed with her. But they can never, these TV shows can never find the sweet spot where it's like an actual realistic high school dynamic of like teenagers interacting. Like they just can't figure it out. You know why? Because adults write the show and teenagers are mean to adults. <laughs> well, teenagers should have some more power in this way because the most successful show that anyone will ever put out will be a show where the teenagers are actually wearing realistic clothes, actually talking in a realistic way. Like The Summer I Turned Pretty was perfect to me and absolutely successful, but it could have been even more successful if they let the lead character, Belly, wear actual clothes that like someone like me would wear. Why don't they make, you should be like a consultant for these TV shows and movies. Just they come really on the should. set and tell them how to dress people. Because I'm sure Jenny Han doesn't like have any superiority complex or she's too stubborn and she doesn't want to ask a teenager what they'd actually wear. Like this is her image and she wrote the book. So like. You'd have input on teenagers and also I, how the dads were dressing. You're yeah. Like, that dad's not sloppy enough. No. My dad would never wear jeans after eight o'clock at night. He'd never. be in his boxers or jogging pants. And it's just, it's all unrealistic. And it's like too perfected and it makes people feel bad when they see such like perfect human beings walking around on TV. That's why Euphoria is so loved because it's it's so imperfect, almost too imperfect. But what's what's uh what's her what's her face's name? Who? The star. Rue. Rue. Yeah, Rue. Rue's not perfect. Rue's <laughs> Rue's had some issues. Rue's had a tough run. Gone through the ringer. <laughs> Stranger Things, let's go. If people haven't finished it yet, they can turn off now. Yeah. Um, you and Ben set your alarm for six o'clock on Friday. We did. Well, you watched I, the last I didn't. Stranger. I naturally well, woke did. up at six. Um, you watched both of them, and you were like both traumatized afterwards. You yeah. were upset. I felt funny. We didn't. I didn't even talk about the first seven episodes on this. Did I? No. I don't think you did. Um, this season ranks at my second favorite season of Stranger Things. Really. First is the third season. Eh, actually, that's a, that's a tough thing to say. The first is the third season. That was my all-time favorite. I think yeah. that was also because it was like such a momentous time in my life where so many things were happening. I was about to go to high school. Like it was just it was a great summer, and I think that on top of it, really hit home for me. And then the first season and the the fourth season are tied for my second spot. We did talk about the first seven episodes. Here. Oh, okay. I remembered. We did. So so then these last two episodes, I I'm just gonna start out and say I felt overwhelmed and slightly disappointed. Mm. I was expecting a different outcome. Because here's the thing. In the last episode, the seventh episode, they dropped a bomb on us telling us that Vecna was number one, who was the first patient in Papa's entire hospital. He was the first origin of anything that Papa had ever seen. And he made him into this monster and then took away all of his powers and made him a nurse. Yeah. And like this entire premise, they, they told us that Vecna, which was number one, which was Henry, he was all of the upside down. He was the one that had been tormenting them through all of the seasons. He's the mind flayer. He is the demogorgon. He's everything. He's like the mind behind all of the upside down. And Elle was the one who created him because she murdered him. Right. And put him in there. And what we found out was Papa was trying to find Henry again through using L. And this was like, that was just the entire like 
explosion at episode seven, which is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I was so emotional. Like it was just absolutely absurd. And I was like, I have no idea where these next two episodes are going to go, but they better be crazy. They make us wait like two months for these next two episodes. They come out. Which were like two movies basically, Yeah, they're right? four, four hours in yeah. total. And I just, I didn't know where they were going to go from what the information was that they gave us, but I was disappointed with what we were given. And not that it was bad because they were good episodes, but to make us wait two months after the best episode, which is episode seven, and then going back down, it was just like, I felt disappointed. Well, ben, why was Ben so upset? Because Eddie died? Eddie died, which was a new character in season four. And he was like the the loser, the guy who repeated high school mo- multiple times. He's about to graduate. He was ben like, or Eddie? <laughs> oh. Sorry. <laughs> he had grown on us throughout the season. He'd become a vital part. Like Dustin's new best friend since Steve kind of had in his relationship, but kind of grown apart. He was like Dustin's new guy. And we all hold Dustin very close to our hearts. Yeah, I know. And, that. I do. <laughs> and Eddie got murdered in episode nine by the flying Demogorgon birds. <laughs> Is it true that Ben teared up? He did. He cried, actually. He was pretending like he wasn't crying by making fake crying noises, but there there were tears coming out, out of his eyes. And Ben doesn't cry for many things nowadays, so... I know that it was genuine and a few of my friends were actually quite emotional about Eddie's death, but I just, I couldn't find myself being emotional for him because I didn't feel like personally his character developed enough for me to be upset about it. I wish that they had killed someone like Lucas. and they, they I don't know who that is. They paralyzed, um, they paralyzed Max's character because she was about to be murdered by the Vecna who basically pretzels people and then rips their eyes out. That's what Ben does the impression of? Yeah. Yeah. So she was pretzeled but then Elle stopped him before he could kill her. Hmm. And she she is just like a in the hospital in a coma now. So it's just like those were the two traumatic things that happened but I feel like something worse had to happen for me to feel emotional. What they set up for the final season? They basically said that everyone's leaving Hawkins because Vecna kind of created like this, this plus sign in the middle of Hawkins and fire and all these houses like went down and the, and the entire town still thinks that Eddie, the guy who was murdered, who actually saved the world, basically, they ga- he gave them more time for L to kill Vecna or stop Vecna per se. Um, they said they were saying that he was a satanic guy who was murdering people and he was the mind behind this and they said that he was probably killed but he was he was the murderer behind this so i'm hoping that they're going to clear that up in the next season they're going to let us all know that eddie was not the satanic murderer dead eddie will be vindicated yeah he'll be he'll be saved and then there vecna's also not dead so is this according to will but he's not dead so was this bigger than minions for your generation? Honestly, no. Like, Minions, I think, created more action within people because you could go to the movie theater and do yeah, shit. Yeah, it's more interactive. And people are talking about it a lot. Stranger Things is also being talked about a lot on the internet. It always has been, but I think the interact the interactive aspect of Minions is what really... Do you think they would have been over. better off if it was once a week? Stranger Things. I do think that it would have created more suspense. But I also like the accessibility of being able to binge through all the episodes in one night as a viewer. You don't have that with Euphoria. No, and and Euphoria kept me in a chokehold the entire season. So I think that they 
could have made more money maybe and been had slight more success in that way if they had released the episodes one once a week but i as a viewer enjoyed being able to watch all of them in one night so you ready to be a senior i think i'm ready i as i said before on this podcast i think i am a true senior i think that i embody what it is to be a senior like mentally at least and and physically like okay i don't know i just, i feel like i am a senior but it's it's definitely weird because when I was in middle school, I'd look up to 17-year-olds and those were like the oldest people in the world to me. And now I am that person. You know, it's weird for me. Now you're the age of the people in all these different shows and movies that I've watched. Yeah. Where it's I, always yeah. about, like even like Ben made us watch Can't Buy Me Love and just one of the guys yeah, and they're over the weekend and they're 17. all like seniors in high school. But yeah, now you're going to be a senior. I'm a senior in it's high school. It's a strange. It, it's definitely, it's hyped up too. So I hope, I'm hoping it's going to be a good year. Junior year was good. It was really hard, but it was it was good. All right, so well, don't get arrested. Stay out of trouble. Definitely won't. Take it easy. We'll see. Stay focused on the right things. Good luck to all don't of us Don't be on seniors. TikTok too much. Eh, we'll see about don't that. Don't stay one. out too late. Eh. Don't do the thing where you tell us you're going to be home at one time and then you're home an hour later. Eh. We never, never really anything. fall asleep when you don't come home. You realize I, that part. But, uh, I just don't understand that because I'm so trustworthy. Like, I'm not going to die or anything. Like, I'm always with one of my friends and I'm being safe. It's still weird to fall asleep when you're not in the house, even if it's like 1230. I get that. But I'm also always safe and I'm always responsible. I used to, you know, I used to have to wipe your ass because you used to shit on yourself. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm aware, but now I'm not shitting on myself. You used to shit no diaper and we used to clean it up. <laughs> So now you're out until three in the morning. It's 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 a little, it's hard to get used to. <laughs> I might say, well, yeah, at least you have one kid who's still shitting on themselves. Yeah, that's, well, we want one for two. All right, Zoe Simmons, thanks for, uh, thanks for telling us about teen culture <laughs> in July. We'll see you at the end of the summer. Bye. That's it for the podcast. Thanks to Raheem. Thanks to Tyler and Chris. Thanks to Zoe Simmons. Thanks to Kyle Crane for producing. Thanks to Dylan Burke and Steve Seward as well. I'll see you on Thursday.